As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here's Devin Robinson throws it down. Robinson's been trying to yam it a couple of times today. Look at this, PJ. Kenley finds Devin Robinson for three. The big man shows the stroke. What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another episode of the Wizards Tip-Off Podcast. Chase Hughes in studio, Chris Miller on the road in Las Vegas for the Summer League. And the Wizards have played two games in the Las Vegas Summer League. And we've seen Troy Brown and Thomas Bryant and Devin Robinson and Isuf Sanan even saw him in the second game. So we'll have to talk about that a little bit today. Also, we'll play back a one-on-one interview that Chris got with John Wall. John talked about the recent additions of Dwight Howard, of Austin Rivers, and Jeff Green. Really interesting stuff from the face of the franchise, so we'll get to that interview uh, a little bit later. But let's start with the Summer League, Chris. They've played two games, the Wizards. The first one against the Cavaliers was pretty rough. They only scored 59 points. They got 90 points in their second game against the San San Antonio Spurs. But, of course, uh, the results of the games don't really matter. It's about the individual development of these guys. Why don't we start with Troy Brown Jr.? What have you seen from him uh, through these first two summer league games as he starts out his NBA career? You know, I thought the first game was, you know, a mixed bag. You know, obviously he had a lot of turnovers. Um, and I just really didn't think he was in that kind of rhythm offensively he wanted to get into. Uh, he even talked about that, like, after the game. And, you know, the, you saw the poise and the calm nature of the young man. He wasn't down on himself, like, at all. As a matter of fact, he was kind of like, you know, I know I'll bounce back. Because I'll bounce back tomorrow and practice. So I really liked like the confidence the kid had in himself. And then the very next day in practice, you know, he, he looked really good. And then you know, he carried it over to the next game against, uh, against San Antonio. And the fact in that second game for him to have, I think he had 21 and 12 rebounds. I mean, that's pretty impressive. You know, for, again, I don't think people realize this guy is 18. I mean, he's 18 years old. And he's playing games in his hometown in front of friends and family. And yesterday, I felt like the entire city of Las Vegas was out there cheering him on. Really? His mom and dad, his sisters, you know, a lot of relatives. Uh, There's an interesting story about his mom and dad I'll get to in a minute. But um, he put on a show yesterday. And I don't know if it was because they were in Thomas and Mac. It was a bigger arena. But for some reason, I just really liked his energy level yesterday. So, again, you saw improvement from one game to another. 
And, you know, this time of year, like you said earlier, it's about stacking days, not about, you know, of course they love to win. They're all competitive. But if you can improve your game and improve some aspect of your game each day, I mean, you're going to get better, you know, once, you know, summer league's over and then you head off, you know, home and get August working out and getting yourself prepared for fall camp. I've been really impressed with Troy Brown Jr. through two games. Uh, the first game, obviously the offense wasn't quite there like it was in the second game, but that second game, like you mentioned, 21 points, 12 rebounds. He also had three steals and two assists. What stands out to me about him is, you know, we're all looking at the basketball IQ and, and how he understands the game. There's He just jumps off the screen. I'm watching on TV. He looks different than the other guys out there. He looks like a veteran playing among rookies, and he's 18 years old. But the way he's running the offense, they're having him bring the ball up. Uh, the way he's grabbing rebounds around the rim when other guys aren't you know, paying attention or, or reading the angles correctly. Uh, the way he's playing help defense uh, on the other end of the floor. The way he's anticipating plays to get steals. Clearly, he just is a very smart player. The shot's going to take some time, but he's not shooting a bad percentage. And when he gets to the free throw line, he knocks down his free throws. So there's certainly some things he's going to have to improve on. But I like the start, and I wonder if he's been... You know, maybe winning some people over. I've seen some people on social media being like, hey, this is a pretty good start to his career. And it was interesting seeing him go up against Lonnie Walker, the fourth of the Spurs. Lonnie Walker and him got matched up on several plays, and I saw Troy Brown dribble right past him. I, I think he's been better than I thought he would be at getting past people off the dribble. Usually goes right, you know, probably needs to work on his left a little bit, but uh, I would say all in all through two games, a pretty good start. And, you know, what you said about the family and and – all the people there supporting him, that's really interesting because that hasn't really come across watching it on TV. So what's it been like? I, I guess there must be a pocket of the stadium that's a little bit louder than the rest, huh? Yeah, it's it's, it's really cool to see, especially yesterday. Um, you see a lot of people with, like, Troy Brown Jr. shirts with, like, Washington Wizards on it. So these were, like, you know, you know homemade T-shirts that were made. <laughs> and it was, it's really cool to see, man, just the support and love that this kid has in this town and, you know, I was honored enough to uh, spend some time with his mom and dad a couple of days ago at their house just to, you know, get ready for a story that I'm doing on Troy and just to talk to his parents. It's it's pretty evident, like, right away why this kid is so poised and polished and so mature, you know, for his age is because of his parents. You know, his mom and dad set a standard of excellence in the classroom and on the court for Troy since he first started playing the game. And you just see how having a support system like that is going to help him make the transition to the NBA. And this is why I feel like, you know, I spent like two hours with the mom and dad and I was like, Oh, and I was still our photographer, Greg Abbott. I was like, Oh, I get it now. Now I see why he's so poised under pressure and all this other stuff and how he really wasn't sweating the fact that he was playing in front of, you know, friends and family of Vegas is because he was built for this. Now, the funny part about Troy Brown senior and his wife is this is the, this is hilarious, Chase. They don't watch the games together. Really? He sits all, his, the dad sits all the way up at the top of the arena. Mom sits with, you know, you know her sisters and her friends. So there's like <laughs> two different pockets of Troy Brown fans, and the dad doesn't talk during the game. He calls – he says people that sit close on the floor, he calls them the experts because they're the ones that know the game. I mean, he's sarcastic when he says it. Right. It's pretty funny how he says it. Because, you know, I don't well, he played, he played ball expert. in college, his dad. so Mom did, too. Mom played basketball and volleyball. So 
it's funny, he calls them the experts. He goes, I'd rather just sit up top, watch my son. He's very quiet. Uh, we mic'd up the mom. It's completely different. She's yelling and screaming really <laughs> into it. It reminds me of Bradley Beal's uh, parents, where the dad is really quiet and the mom is really into the game. So that was like one takeaway I had from just watching like how the family dynamic works when, when Troy's out there playing. It's pretty funny, you know. Dad stoic, very calm. That's funny. Mom screaming. It, 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 it was a pretty cool story for the Patel. Yeah, his sister, of course, also played at Kansas, so she she definitely knows what she's watching when she's watching his games. And uh, both his parents were correctional officers in the state of Nevada, so that probably tells you something about the discipline uh, for him. Um, clearly, a great family support system, and um, it translates to the court. He's a really smart player. Isuf uh, Sanan. Second round pick. First time we saw this guy was in game two. The game, first game, I would imagine they were just, you know, maybe letting him adjust to the speed of the game from the sidelines. But um, certainly an interesting guy to watch, huh? Isuf Sanan in that game two against the Spurs. Yeah, he's been dealing with a little bit of a growing uh, injury. So they, they wanted to rest him in the first game. Second game, he came out. And uh, again, this is a kid. He's 18 years old, but he plays with a motor that's uh, pretty impressive. Uh, he changed the game, I thought, in the fourth quarter uh, with his energy level. And he was uh, he deflected a ball and went out of bounds, and he was so into it, he was screaming and yelling across the court to his teammates and coaches. And they must have been used to this during you know the mini camp and the first couple practices because they all just stood up and just started clapping. They were laughing <laughs> because he was so into it. I mean, he looked like the Incredible Hulk. He was like, dude, you just – deflected a pass and went out of bounds. I mean, yes, it's a good play. He made a good defense play. But he was yelling and screaming and getting his teammates going. He's like, let's go. I mean, I was like, oh, okay. But he plays with a different uh, energy level, and you love it. He played so hard yesterday, Chase, he had to take himself out of the game because he got tired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, obviously he's like Sato. You know, you're going to have to wait on him a couple of years if he has a chance to come back over uh, and, and play with the Wizards. But, you know, so far, so good with these guys. You know, obviously Thomas Bryant was somebody that, you know, they, they got from the Lakers. I thought the second game he was much better. And Devin Robinson, I mean, listen, what he did in that second game was game-changing dunks. I mean, he has definitely taken a major step. And the coaching staff, I talked to him afterwards, were really impressed with kind of like his development, what he's done, you know, after last season. You know, he took two weeks off and he went right back into the lab to work on his game. And, and you can tell. Yeah, Isu Sanan, one thing that stands out to me, obviously he only played 13 minutes, he had six fouls, didn't score a point, but he is very big for a point guard. Like, not just the fact that he's 6'4", but he's pretty built for 18 years old. Like, that guy might end up being very, very big for the position when he's ready to come over uh, to play in the pros. Very, He could be a very physical defender, and you can see the activity on that end of the floor. But let's go back to Devin Robinson, because I think it's been – Really nice to see that this guy has clearly taken a step forward year over year. You see a lot of guys that are, you don't see very many that are athletic as him, to be honest. If you look at his vertical leap uh, for being 6'7 or taller at the combine, there's very few guys who have uh, had a 41 or higher inch vertical leap. You're talking Ben Simmons, Vince Carter, guys like that. So he's a very rare athlete. But you see a lot of guys who are very athletic coming to the NBA, and they just never develop the other parts of the game. But I think clearly we're seeing a learning process with this guy. He's much better off the dribble than he was. Um, I see better instincts, just you know, maybe 
rebounding and when to take his shot, and and he's he's better at finishing around the rim. Still, you know, real skinny, obviously, real raw and young. But I think that the Wizards might have something in Devin Robinson because the wheels are turning in that head. Like he is, he is definitely learning the game, and I've seen a market improvement year over year. How about you? No, I have. And I, yesterday it was very evident um, when he was given a little bit of the leadership role uh, with this team because he's a vet and Troy, and just to encapsulate just how much leadership that they have. The coaching staff gave those two guys the responsibility of warming the guys up before the game, and they did defensive shell drills. Now, Chase, think about this. The NBA, when was the last time you saw a team in pregame warm-ups on the layup line stop layups and work on defensive shell drills? <laughs> and that was an idea from Troy and Devin. So you're seeing the leadership of those two. They're putting them out there for them to learn uh, how to be the guy and both of them, I thought, have, have taken steps in that way, especially Devin, just to see where he was a year ago to where he is like right now. And it was good yesterday. You know, Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers uh, were at the game sitting courtside watching Devin put on that dunk fest in the third and fourth quarter. And you could just see his confidence just swell. So, you know, again, these steps. You know, it's, you know I think some of this stuff could translate potentially in the fall, but... You just want these kids to to make their mistakes, to have ability to try to close games out, learn those things. So when you try to apply it, when you get into fall camp, you know obviously the coaching staff looks at you and has more confidence. But let's be honest, the minutes will be limited by both guys, considering all the moves that they've made this off season and the players that are coming back. Absolutely, um, but it is a good sign to see, and especially with the Wizards having this G League team. You know, in Devin Robinson's case, uh, he's going to have a better chance to develop and keep moving forward, regardless of whether he gets minutes at the NBA level next year. So you got to be encouraged by this. This is clearly the most talented summer league team they've had in a couple years, and it's, of course, no coincidence uh, that they finally had a draft pick for the first time since 2015. Last guy I want to ask you about regarding the summer league, before we get to this John Wall interview, is Chris Chioza of Florida. I think he's been impressive through two games, and when the Wizards uh, signed him to the Summer League team, I was told by a guy who works for the team immediately, you know, this is a good candidate for that second two-way contract. Now, we'll see if they actually fill that, because they didn't last year for much of it, but I think at the very least, Chris Chioza is making a very good case for himself to be on that G League team with how he's run the offense so far through two games. Yeah, he runs he runs the offense really well. Now, he's had some turnovers and... You know, he's missed some guys, you know, in their offensive sets where they cut to the basket. I remember one yesterday, Thomas Bryant just literally screamed, you know, I, you know, he's cutting to the basket. Chiosa didn't see him, but overall, you know, he can score. He even got some rebounds yesterday in terms of his assists, but he's got to turn, got to cut the turnovers down. But I like his competitiveness. Yeah, one thing that I liked about him in game two is Lonnie Walker was guarding him and was clapping in his face, which is always, you know, kind of an obnoxious move. And Chioza just, like, calmly stepped to his right, led him into a screen, and dropped a three right in his face. And I was like, that's the way you respond. That's the way you respond. So I like that. All right, without further ado, let's hear from John Wall. You caught up with him one-on-one in Vegas on the Wizards offseason so far. Let's hear from John after a word from our sponsors. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. 
Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. It's been a little bit of a busy offseason for the team. I just want to get your reaction to kind of all the moves as a whole. No, I'm pretty interesting. I mean, just having an opportunity to um, make a trade to get Austin and send Gortat to the Clippers. Um, then you had the opportunity to sign Jeff Green and Dwight in free agency. I think those are pieces that can help us out. I think with guys that we got coming back, all of us trying to get healthy, all of us very disappointed in the way the season ended last year about going out in the first round, you know, my first time going out in the first round, and uh, what our expectations are for next year. I mean, we want to go out there with a different mindset, different focus, and not trying to go and think that we already a team that established something and got respect from people. Uh, we have to earn that respect, and that means go out there and compete every night against the good teams or the bad teams. Why will this Dwight Howard move work, in your opinion? I just feel like, you know I mean, he's just a guy that's just trying to recreate this career. I mean, trying to change all the negative stuff people say about him. Um, we know he likes to have fun. We know he likes to joke around do those type of things. But I think he's kind of locked in and focused. I mean, all we could do is the teammates and coaching staff and organizations try to make it comfortable for him, make him feel he's welcome at home, and tell him the things we need him to do for our team to make us get better. And uh, he has to buy into that and not try to say it's about all about him or trying to do this for himself. Just do it for the whole team and group, and I think we'll be fine. What I think a lot of people don't know is your relationship with him goes back a while to the point where I'm sure there have been conversations in the past about potentially pairing up. So were you surprised when this deal finally got done? No, nah, we talked about it before, and we always joked about it, even sometimes we play. And um, just talking to him and reaching out to him, understanding that he was going to probably get, try to get a buyout with Brooklyn and then I'm like, we needed a center at the time. We're talking going, and we needed somebody else to step in and be a, uh, that guy for now. And so I we talked, he conversated, and he's like, what do you want? And I'm like, well, this is what our team wants, and this is what we need. And it worked out for us. I'm glad we was able to get the deal done. You made it clear what you needed in that five position moving forward. Does Dwight Howard check off those boxes? I definitely do. I think even though he's older, he's still an athletic big and still has respect in this league. And I mean, averaging 16 and 12, it's a guy that gets scoring the low post, a guy that blocks shots, a guy that gets a lot of rebounds and a guy that can catch lobs and do things that when teams switch against us or we're attacking the paint, that if you help for a second, you're throwing lobs. Now, do you get more layups? Probably. Or you get more wide-open threes because guys going to have to crack down on him. If you don't crack down, it's an automatic layup or a, th- a lob. So I think that benefits us a lot. And it's going to kind of help you look at Capella, DeAndre, those type of guys that's athletic. JaVale, even JaVale at times being athletic, just get to the paint. Guys are stepping up. You're throwing lobs to those guys, and we have a person that can do that. I'm interested to know your take on Austin Rivers coming here and the prospects of potentially at the end of games having you, Brad, and Austin out there on the floor. I think it's going to be fun and interesting. I mean, Austin's somebody I always watched since high school, a competitive guy. Um, definitely can score the ball, high-volume shooter. Once he gets it going, he's going. I think just give us that guy that we never really kind of had out the bench that can create for himself and create for the teammates at the, the two-guard position. I mean, at the time I think we had it at the one position, but at the one you want guys to get people involved. Uh, he don't really have to worry about that. He's just go out there and be the scorer for us and let Thomas run the show, and he can help KO out in transition. And then having Jeff Green, a guy there that could be there for them, and having Jan, I think that gives our second unit a deeper bench. How about Jeff Green, just a guy that was just with Cleveland just last year? His versatility, I think, adds to this roster. For sure. Just being able to switch one through four, a guy that can post up if you uh, put smaller guys on him, but he can guard every position. He's athletic and run the floor with us in transition. And, uh, he does a little thing that a lot of people don't notice and take notice, and he averaged 10 points this year. 
you made it clear to me at the end of the year that there's just really no more talking. It's all about action from now on. Do you feel like the acquisitions you were able to make and the guys that are coming back that you guys have now maybe put together the most complete team that you've played with since you've been here? Yeah, for sure. I definitely think so. You know, I mean, just with the starters coming back, those guys, hopefully everybody come back healthy in better shape and focus and understand what we want to be. And I think it gives an opportunity for where we don't have to play as many minutes. I mean, that's the key. I mean, later in the career, in the year, you kind of fall short because you're fatigued. And nobody uses it as an excuse. You play, you try to get in the best shape possible. But if you're playing 24 minutes a whole half or 24 minutes a whole another half, you kind of get tired at some point. And I think those guys can take a little burden and the pressure off us at times. All right, i got to ask you about the rookie. Um you got a rookie. That means he's going to be getting the donuts and doing a lot of rookie things. Uh, but Troy Brown, just what did you think in that first game that you saw him in Vegas? I think he's kind of he's, he's very poised for his age. He don't try to force anything. Uh, one thing I think I tell him just be more aggressive. I mean, this opportunity for you to be very aggressive. You have a lot of 15 pick. Just be aggressive. Go out there, and make mistakes. Try to make mistakes. Try to improve your game to get better. I mean, because it's going to be kind of hard to find minutes in practice at times with KO and Otto and those guys being there. And uh, just try to be aggressive. Just go as best as you can and do and play harder. That's all I would say. And finally, I'd have to ask you this. Are you surprised that LeBron left and he's going to the Lakers? No, nah, not even. At all? No. Nah. He, he did what he said he was going to do for the city of Cleveland. You know, this, I feel like this move is more important just basically for his family and, and kids and he's going to live life. And now everyone says this. I don't know if you agree with this, but they feel like now that he has left, that the East is wide open. Do you see it that way? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, Boston's a tough team that's there. Um, you have Philly that's there, Milwaukee there, Toronto there for sure. We there. I just feel Indiana's definitely there. I just feel like it's open. Any one of these teams can get to that spot if you go out there and play and produce. I oh, man, appreciate it. All right. And we're back on the Wizards Tip-Off Podcast. Chase Hughes in studio. Chris Miller on the road in Las Vegas at the Summer League. And, Chris, obviously this was the first time we heard from John Wall on the Dwight Howard signing and Jeff Green, and the Austin Rivers trade. And it sounds like John's pretty happy with the way the offseason has gone so far. And I think, um, most interestingly, it sounds like he may have done a little bit of recruiting, and, and maybe this Wall and Howard partnership was kind of years in the making, right? Yeah, you know, they've been talking, you know, the last couple of years about, you know, potentially pairing up, kind of kidding, with, you know, with one another. But, you know, John definitely had... Uh, a lot to do with getting this done, um, especially after the team moved on from Gortat. Um, you know, as you know, Chase, I mean, John hasn't made it a secret what he was looking for in terms of that five man. And Dwight Howard fills a lot of those boxes. Now, as you know, you know, Dwight comes with baggage. He comes with history. And, you know, John has said, you know, to me, he's looking forward to working with him. Um, it's not going to be smooth sailing every night. It, it's never that way. They're going to be ups and downs. But the fact that he is coming to this team with a clean slate, starting with John and the coaching staff, I talked to Scott Brooks about it too. He said, listen, uh, no preconceived notions. You walk into this door day one, you've got a clean slate. So ho- hopefully, you know, none of the things in the past with Dwight will linger here. So John was all on board with bringing Dwight here to D.C. You know, you put up a video on Twitter uh, a few days ago that had John and and Markeith working out, but also Aaron White. So Aaron White is in Las Vegas, huh? This guy was, of course, the second-round pick in 2015 when uh, Kelly Oubre 
was the first-round pick, and he hasn't played in the NBA. He's been overseas, um, but he's been there long enough where it's probably, you know, I don't want to say now or never, but it's getting to a, a timing where it would probably make a lot of sense for them to bring him over. Um, what do you read into the fact that he's working out with this team in Las Vegas? You know, I talked to him, and, you know, he's at that, uh, you know, at that crossroads of making a decision if he wants to, you know, come over now or if he wants to stay over in Lithuania. You know, he played 87 games last year. Uh, he, he He's in a really good situation, I think, over there in terms of uh, the team loves him. Uh, financially, he's going to make probably more staying over there. But, you know, like all these guys, the dream is to play in the NBA. Um, so for Aaron, like he's at that point right now trying to figure out, you know, what does he want to do? I mean, does he want to come over here and, you know, try out for the big club, maybe potentially go down um, to the G League, or does he want to stay overseas in Lithuania and, you know, Stack up some cash, if you will. So <laughs> that's where he is. That's where he is right now in terms of just kind of making that decision on what he wants to do long term. Aaron White, um, you know, it, obviously the Wizards only have so many roster spots left, and it's it's much more complicated than that in terms of their finances and stuff like that. But he he probably would help. I mean, he's an athletic power forward. Maybe can play a little bit of small forward. A pretty decent shooter. He's got some hops. Uh, seems like, from what I can tell, just watching highlights, he's a pretty tough-minded player. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Mike Scott, to be honest, just like the the playing style, because um, he can score inside and out. So I think he could probably help this team, um, you know, in terms of depth, whether he would actually have an opportunity to, to make some noise in the NBA next year. It's tough to tell, but it's interesting seeing him work out with the team and going through that decision process because, you know, it's a name that we've heard of for a few years but obviously haven't seen convey at the NBA level. Um, so the last topic I want to hit on before we get out of here, Chris, is the Wizards and their offseason in the Eastern Conference. Because as I've been evaluating this Dwight Howard move and Jeff Green and the Austin Rivers trade in recent days, it's kind of dawned on me that the Eastern Conference has been really quiet uh, this offseason. Like LeBron James left for the Western Conference and all the top free agents landed in the Western Conference. Like DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Paul George, DeAndre Jordan, they all stayed west. Uh, the the Wizards, as it looks like in the Eastern Conference, may have had the most aggressive, maybe even most positive offseason if you look at the additions that they've made so far this offseason. Now, the Sixers and Celtics could, of course, change that if they end up um, trading for Kawhi Leonard or something like that. But what do you make of just the quiet Eastern Conference and the fact that the Wizards you know, maybe have been a little bit more aggressive than most teams out there? Well, I think they had to be aggressive because of the needs that needed to be filled on your bench, um, namely, you know, the shooting guard position, um, you know, a small forward, you know, big full power forward, um, and obviously center. Um, so by virtue of the Gortat trade and some holes that they had on that team from a year ago, yeah, so they, they, they checked off again some boxes that could help them. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm concerned, but I, I have my antennas up on this year's team chase, and here's why: I, I feel like there are a lot of one-year contracts, and you know, a couple of years ago we saw the same thing, where this team brought a lot of guys in on one-year deals, and the team went 41 and 41. Uh, they dismissed Randy Whitman at the time, 
And guys were even talking about, you know, I was just trying to get mine because I was trying to get a check afterwards. And I just don't want that to be the case this season. Um, I, I, I'm looking for the leadership of Wall and Beal to elevate um, and accountability in the locker room. Again, that was really kind of just the issue last year. It, it wasn't so much the play. I mean, it was a good team that had a, enough talent. And I always said this, Chase. They had enough talent in the room to win games and, and do something in the playoffs. It was just um, the issues in the locker room, which were, were documented, and for them to move on with Gortat and everybody that I've talked to in the organization said it was time for there to be the parting of the ways. So this coming season, Chase, if there's any issues, you can't blame Gortat now. So I, that's kind of how I'm looking at this season, cautious optimism that the pieces that they bring in um, fit and cultivate a good locker room. That, that's, if that's the case, then this team, it'll translate on the floor, and, and they'll win games, and they'll be you know, one of the top four teams in the East just by virtue of their talent level. Yeah, the one-year deals is something we're definitely going to have to revisit throughout the year because they're up to like eight or nine, and if you thought that it was a problem last year for guys looking out for themselves and chasing their own numbers, that could certainly be exacerbated by the fact that there are even more guys who you know, aren't as invested. If things go wrong and you know you're about to hit free agency, your mindset might be a little bit different than if you have a long-term contract. But one thing I'll say, the more I've thought about the Dwight Howard move in particular is this team has been so risk-averse in recent years to not take a big swing or do something aggressive, and I appreciate the fact that they are doing that. Um, you know, I think, Chris, it was you that said, um, you mentioned something Sam Presti said in his ES- in uh, Paul George's ESPN documentary. It was, uh, remind me of the quote, it was, scared money don't make money, right? It was Tribe Called Quest. Scared money don't make yeah. money. Yes, yeah, sir. exactly. You got to take some risks. The best GMs out there, the best teams will will take some swings, and I feel like the Wizards will take some swings, so I appreciate that. There's a lot of Wizards fans out there that are, I think, have grown risk-averse, but you got to be aggressive sometimes, so I appreciate that. Last question for you, though, Chris. Um, where are you? I know you're in Las Vegas. You've been there a few days. Where are you on the, like, all right, get me the heck out of here because everyone reaches that moment in Las Vegas. Have you reached that moment yet? Because I know the summer league can kind of drag on, can it? Uh. So I'm a three-day and out Vegas guy, and that third day means it's time to go. So I've been there probably the last two, three days of just being like, okay, I've seen enough of Summer League hoop. Okay, I got it. Uh, I I don't gamble. I don't smoke. So uh, I'm like, get me out of here. But luckily I stayed in a uh, hotel where there's no casino in it, which is good, because I can just kind of just walk around and just not have to smell smoke and, and just sing the weirdness that is Las Vegas. Right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting home as soon as possible. (laughs) Yeah, I remember I've only been to Vegas once, but what made me want to just get the heck out of there was the sounds of the slot machines. Just walking through, I was hungover. All the stupid computer game sounds of the slot machines, and then you see people that are so drunk, and it's 10 in the morning, and you have no idea whether they just got up or whether they've been up all night or for, like, several days. It's just the weirdest <laughs> right. place. And when you want to leave, you have to go. So Yeah, I mean, it's a necessary evil. I mean, um, the league does a great job. Summer League is really good in terms of just connecting with, you know, players, you know, front office people, coaches. It's just, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's Las Vegas. I mean, it's like, you know, whatever you need, you know, 
talk to people. You know, everyone's accessible, and it's just a really good time. Uh, you know, kind of get the reset off of the past season and get ready for the upcoming season. That's the, that's the kind of cool part about it. But yeah, after about three days of it, it's like okay. I talked to that guy like twice now. Tired of seeing him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <found the board. laughs> and the, the hot weather uh, certainly doesn't help. Well, Chris, yeah. Chris, we'll see what happens the rest of summer league. Uh, thanks for getting John Wall for us, and thanks for the insight. All right, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks.